1: Welcome ladies, gentlemen, cats and dogs, all who listen to the woke bros. We are back with another expedition. I am Michael Jamal Abdulaziz Brooks, the one who does the Cardi B impression, joined by my
2: comrade. Big Wise, Waz, Waz Ray. How you doing, Wise? Yo, yo, you know, I'm just chilling, man. I'm down here in the LES. I'm just shining my Timberland boots. You go shop for Tim's? About to hit the streets of Manhattan after I record this. You know what I mean? I'm so in my element. Had a slice for lunch. You know what I mean? Um, definitely got <laughs> some dumplings in Chinatown. I'm really in my New York City bag right now only thing i ain't had real talk is some jerk chicken which probably gonna change tomorrow do you remember when we
1: talked about how um in la we were talking about how at the live show how you were getting all la and i yeah. was talking about the hot yoga class that i did before the show and juices yes, and everything else and and anna kasparian and nando vila the family they were looking on with a lot of L.A. pride, a lot of L.A. happiness. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I I can't. I mean, I can't. Obviously, I don't claim New York like you do, but I'm I'm like a hybrid of Massachusetts and New York. Oh, no. You know your you you thing at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, especially when you consider, like, the family thing. When I was here when I was little and disposition. Like, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. And that, it, that is the – when you live here, you don't – and in any way, like, I don't take advantage of a lot of shit here because I'm just so fucking busy. Right. But the comfort to know that you could have that slice or whatever, you really miss it when you're not here.
2: Yes. And, you know, I was telling my girlfriend this because, you know, we're staying down here in the LES, which, you know, before I moved for at least four five, six years was always my favorite neighborhood to go to in New York because, like, there's so much shit you could do, and it was one of the few places that still had that vintage New York grit. Um, So I'm staying down here, and it's cool to just walk out of my my um, my hotel room and just be right in the mix, right? And I was telling my girl, I was like, you know, I love being in L.A., and, and I love my new life and all of that stuff, but there's just something about New York. It's still got that magic. It, there's still some magic left in New York. I know... All my New York friends are like, oh, New York is finished. The corporations are taking over. They're making this place into a fucking Disneyland. Um, But, man, I got to say, coming back, still got that magic. Yup. No, it, I, it,
1: there is an energy to it. That's not bullshit. Um, 100%. So, and, of course, speaking of a certain energy with it that's not bullshit – the Junior Evil Genius Rob Lopez guiding us through this expedition. As always, you like your props there, Rob. I like it—not too strong, not too light, just right in the middle. That was actually very strong, Rob. You—you you weren't listening correctly. That was—that was. I said it like a like an <laughs> ongoing powerful current, like New York City, that even Dwayne Reed and Hedge Fund Capital can't destroy. That's actually a high <laughs> props. <laughs> so maybe you should do more sound drops.
2: Rob, guys are terrible at taking care of their health, man. Whether it's a knee injury, a back injury, or something even worse, guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Can you even believe that? Something that important? Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for erectile dysfunction online. Roman is a one-stop shop where you can get where you can chat with a licensed US physician who can treat ED, and if safe and appropriate, ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, no awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash BOM, complete an online visit, chat with a doctor, and if the doctor decides that it would be safe and appropriate, they'll shift the genuine medication right to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really simple. So take care of it, man. Seriously, your lady's going to appreciate this. Or your guy, you know? Who knows? <laughs> For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com B-O-M. That's GetRoman.com B-O-M. For a free online visit, GetRoman.com B-O-M.
1: We got a bunch to get to, as we always do. Um, and first, we're going to start with Andrew Yang. I have had the misfortune of talking about this fucking guy, so I get... His whiny ass people bothering us on social media all the time. But actually, real quick, was but I actually I, I wanna ask Rob real quick too, because I'm just generally like outside of a certain like political coverage bubble. Like, just real quick, Rob, if you had one word to describe what your impression of Andrew Yang is,
2: what would that be? Oh man, what's what's hype beast? Is he is he a presidential beast? <laughs> <hype piece? laughs> wow, that's perfect. That is perfect. Just see him out here with the I know the vibes. Let's go Knicks. So I'm just like, bro, relax. What's your what's your healthcare plan, bro? Relax.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> on the breakfast club. Like, bro, what like you're going to what's up with my student loans? What's going on, man? What are you doing?
0: Well, uh, we uh, we did some research and
1: uh, actually uh, people who are not podcast uh, producers. Turns out they don't care about student loans that much. All right. Let me not digress it into an impression. I don't really like the guy was. What do you think of Angie Yang?
2: Um, you know, I, I kind of think. In a certain hand, he's he's like, when you think of somebody like Bezos or Peter Thiel, and I guess you shouldn't put Bezos and Peter Thiel in the same bracket, but um, he's kind of a, a more be- benevolent version of those tech billionaire types. But in a certain way, I, I kind of think he's even more dangerous because of that, right? Like, because he kind of seems like a wolf in sheep's clothing. When I think about his... Universal income plan that the, that's basically his like spiel, right? Like his, his um elevator pitch, right? It's like yo, everybody get twelve hundred dollars a month. Like for me, that's somebody who has their eye on the ball in the sense that look, eventually this shit is going to become untenable, right? Where we have people like me, Andrew Yang, billionaire, and then people who can't pay their rent, and it's like a vast majority of the population. Like eventually this is gonna be become untenable, so. Why don't we preempt that and offer these people a little bit of pennies, right? Like, just feed them a little something before they become enraged, and, enraged and hangry. Like that's sort of <laughs> my mindset when I think of an Andrew Yang. But like, because a lot of people have hit us up and on the internet and wanted to, us to talk about him. Could you give the people sort of what Andrew Yang is elevator pitching to the public so far?
1: All right. So what he's saying is basically like it's a couple of things that are actually kind of mashed together, which I would actually like to kind of distinguish. Yes. So one is this thing that like robots are going to come and eliminate a ton of jobs. And I will be the first to admit that like I don't – I wouldn't feel comfortable making that prediction one way or another myself. My understanding from people that are a little bit more you know, grounded maybe – making predictions and analysis that is a little bit less like, you know, like, yeah, it's just going to happen and 30 million people done, um, say that definitely automation is real it w- and, and any further, you know, loss of jobs obviously is significant, but not necessarily in the scale and at the pace that he's talking about. And also, I would just add. Well, actually, I'll I'll get back to that later. All right. So that's one thing. Then the other thing is a message that I actually think, honestly, like, if you did it correctly, I would support. Which is that, you know, the Democratic Party and progressives in general, like, you know, it's like very weird. Like, there's that old like racist narratives of like the undeserving and deserving poor, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have like a certain type of woke person that just have flipped that. So now it's like, well, the deserving poor are all these like fucking rural white people. It's right. a huge amount of disdain for. And it's another way of of blocking the fact that, of course, we need universal programs when it comes to things like healthcare. That is just for every single person. No bullshit. So there's a part of him that's kind of like saying, you know, you can't just like You know, you can't just hate on and demonize the truck driver in the Midwest or whatever. you got to help them. And the thing is, like, I agree with that 110 percent. And I hate all of the, like, elitism and disdain. On the flip side, Andrew Yang is really fucking sloppy with that shit, which we'll get to later. And then the third point is the answer to all of this shit, whether it's automation or – you know, or the the collapse of the Midwest or the opioid addiction. The bottom line is, is to give everybody a thousand bucks a month. And where it gets very sketchy is that the thousand bucks a month will be, you know, basically it will come through, not through a wealth tax, not through, you know, forcing Amazon and Apple to pay their fair share, not doing anything like that it will be paid for primarily through a VAT tax which is a value added tax like they have like in the UK but it's very regressive is like the bottom line you know what i mean like if you put a transaction tax on people's like even just like their online transactions you know that matters like if somebody makes 30 grand a year they have to pay a buck extra tax on each transaction that fucking matters you know if you make a million it doesn't matter right so it's a very regressive way of doing it then the other concern just real quick is that and his people always freak out and have meltdowns every time we talk about this but in some ways to be fair to him like he does he will kind of say sometimes that he supports things like medicare for all which is obviously really important but sometimes he kind of he's framing it as you can choose your benefits or get a thousand bucks a month right and for some people, it might make sense if you calculate it to take that 1000 bucks a month. But I could tell you, you know, just even speaking personally, as someone who at different points when I was growing up, my family dealt with different parts of housing subsidies, food system, and things like that. If you are a family surviving on a kind of patchwork of programs and you opt for a G a month – uh, you could be in a situation where you know that translates to real terms to less than what you were getting in benefits. So that, to me, the fact that he doesn't just say, look, this is a thousand bucks on top. Like we already don't have remotely enough social investment in this country, but right spending double what we spend on food stamps and whatever else. And on top of that, here's some money. I would have no problem with that whatsoever. But That is sketchy. So anyways, those. But I would say those are kind of like the three things that you the Democrats need to talk to uh, blue collar people uh, across the country that robots are going to take everybody's like truck driving jobs and that giving a G a month to everybody's (laughs) answer.
2: Yeah. uh, When I hear the G a month thing. Right. uh, I, I like to think about. And again, we talk about Bernie Sanders all the time on this show. I get it where Bernie Sanders shows at this point. But I'm sorry. he He's always effectively communicating stuff in his interviews when they try to, like, get him with a gotcha question. When they're like, well, won't Medicare for all raise your taxes? He's like, yeah, you'll pay more in taxes, but you'll pay way less in healthcare. Therefore, net you will have more money in your pocket. <laughs> like it's not that hard to understand. So when you say something about a universal um income, uh you if you're not talking about healthcare, if you're not talking about um schooling, if you're not talking about housing on top of that, then it's basically a dodge, right? Like giving everybody basically 12 extra g's a year i'm sorry bro like that's not gonna solve everybody's problem and that's not to poo poo uh twelve thousand dollars because shit man if somebody gave me 12 g's right now i'll be over the moon about it but what i'm saying what i'm saying is that these other issues kind of take precedent right um and if you're not Addressing these other issues in any of you, in whatever you consider to be your platform, it's hard for me to take you serious. And I just have a problem with the people of his ilk because I, I feel like a lot of them, a lot of people have an issue with the idea that we should abolish the health insurance industry, right? Because people work in those industries and this, this, that, and the third. And I understand the unease with that, but like people shouldn't be making money off of people's health. It's just that simple. And I don't think a lot of these guys feel comfortable just flat out saying that. I get it. We're the capitalistic center of the universe. I get it. If people are making money legally, we should be sucking their dicks for it. I get (laughs) it. I get it. But this is—I just don't don't understand why so many people who aren't Bernie Sanders, quite frankly, have a hard time, like, just saying that. Like, you should not profit— off of people's health, you know? Um, and I just think the Andrew Yang guy, like, again, um, he just seems like a wolf in sheep's clothing to me, but he's a guy with his eye on the ball, right? Like, a certain amount of these cats, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, where, like, Wall Street people, uh, the banking people, they understand what the cost-benefit of Like a diversity initiative program or women empowerment program, like getting women in. They understand that doing that, putting a public face on something is going to help them get money on the back end. I think Yang is one of those, the few tech people who gets that. Who's like? We got to put a good face on the thing, the things, the the nasty things that we want to achieve in the end, right? And that's why I think he's dangerous. Whereas a lot of these tech people actually believe their own bullshit, right? Like, no, we are saving the world. We are changing everything. <laughs> we are connecting Wozniak to people in China through Facebook, <laughs> like, right? Like, a lot of them believe their own bullshit. I think Yang is actually smart enough, perceptive enough to understand that, like. Nah, we gotta like give people shit in order for them to let us keep raping and pillaging.
1: You know, that's funny because I actually have to admit, and it's a funny thing. Like, partially what's so repulsive about it is how fuck, like, he's definitely got like the cults and he's got the everything is unfair and you don't understand and you, know, <laughs> you raise an object. Like, no, oh, no, like the value-added tax wouldn't be regressive. And you go, why? It's a, It's definitely a regressive tax. Well, because Andrew says it won't. <laughs> at, like, very <laughs> weird, obsessive shit. But on the other hand, I do think that like my read of him, and in some ways this just doesn't matter, you know, like they, they will make a lot of point of like he's a good man, he's a good person, and he might be like a well-intentioned, you know, dorky guy who just has like a very simplistic view of the world, which would be basically my view. But I think that the thing with him is like, I mean, it's, it's really like, on one end. I think from the Silicon Valley perspective, I have a, I have a friend who reads sci-fi. I don't read sci-fi much. I probably should, but uh, I don't read it at all. And I should, but he said to me that he read some dystopian novel where the citizens of whatever, like, you know, whatever bad future situation they were in, there was a form of a UBI check, right? There was a form of, well, let's, you know, as you said earlier, like, let's take the pressure out a little bit. And I think that there is a vision of the world, including even like, even of people who might just think like, this is the best we can do, which is like, you know what? Most people are not going to have uh, they're not going to really have any power. They're not going to really have any lives. Like democracy is going to continue to shrink. We're going to have an oligarchy. So let's just give them a little, like, you know, maybe a subsidy for like a little pod apartment and a little bit of a check so they can like order ramen and play video games. And I think that that is what it is. Right. And I, And so the other thing that really bothers me about Andrew Yang and is really disturbing about the following is not that, you know, if somebody said, hey, and and it's funny because I'm glad you said that. Like, look, like I completely understand. I've spent a vast majority of my life in the position where if somebody said to me, like, you know, oh, don't worry about getting an extra check, I would say, fuck you. Right. Like, I get that. I understand that. And honestly, if the guy just was a single, if he if he had the ability and the intelligence to just say, like, hey, I'm just kind of like this oddball, you know, eccentric, but I kind of care about X, Y, and Z, I think everybody should have a, a UBI. My proposal is it's 2000 dollars a month. It's paid for by, you know, a tax on Apple and Jeff Bezos and everything, then I would say that's great. Go around the country and just so long as, you know, you don't end up like interfering with Bernie, cool, do your thing. But I think, you know, you look at all these interviews on one hand, it's like so silly because it's like, dude, you're not going to be president. And he still is like, well, I'm going to pay for it this way, like acting like he needs to have everything planned out, which he doesn't. And then he'll always basically say, like, on one hand, it's all like this is about the future and humanity first. And if we put our heads together, we can do it. And then it's always like, well, we can't do anything about Amazon. We can't have a wealth tax. We can't um, you know, break up monopolies. We can't do any of right. that stuff. So, and so my thing is, is like, look, if your view is that we actually basically can't solve problems anymore and pretty much we're just going to live like in a feudalistic tech dystopia – then yes, Andrew Yang's version of like give people a thousand bucks I'm sure is nicer than whatever the fuck, you know, some total evil maniac like Peter Thiel is cooking up. But I still want to live in a place where there's still democracy, where there's still Bernie, where there's still Cornell West,
2: where there's still maybe a shot <laughs> that we could actually really change things. I, I It just feels like the dude is talking out of both sides of his mouth. I, again, at this point, I can't really take what he's saying seriously because he's not talking about the fundamental issues at hand here. Right. Um, And again, and I feel like I'm repeating myself. We talk about this shit on the show all the time. Like legitimately, there were people who voted for Donald Trump who were concerned about health care. 2018 became a referendum on health care. Right. Like this is these are the important issues, even to the people on the other side. And so, you know, when this guy comes and he's got his little shiny object, it's hard for me to not look at that and say, come on, bro, do better.
0: Right.
1: I I mean, that's it. And so I think and, and every time I see people like freaking out at me about it. You know, again, you could say, like, hey, I think you're underestimating the importance of some of these arguments. Maybe you got to take the robot thing more seriously. But even the robot thing, if we had a democratized economy, then it could be great. Like, oh, people have to work less. Let's, you know, let's take the free time created by that to give people more free time because we already have a society where. You know, housing, healthcare, food, you know, like those things are not worried about. And by the way, it's not as if we don't have a lot that, you know, people need to be doing anyways. We have like roads to rebuild and, you know, fucking people to mentor. There's so much shit that needs to be done. The other thing, too, just real quick, and they always get pissed off when I say this, but they've never had an answer for it. And I'm sure that this is not like definitely this is... This plan would work really differently across the country, right? Like I have I have no doubt that if and and I wanna and, and there should be more plans like this in specific categories. But like yeah, if you were in a you know not expensive place to live and you're lower middle class, this probably is really good. So I'm not discounting it. On the flip side, I'm like if this if you implement this in like New York, San Francisco, and you don't have rent control. This will just get gobbled up by higher rents. San Francisco. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And I, and it's they, impossible. They always say like, oh, won't well, that, that won't happen. And, but again, it's like, wh- why? <laughs> like, it, look, he's got a plan for every other contingency, but no plan about regulating real estate markets? I, I don't know, man. Just, I, I, get the fuck out of here. Vote for Bernie Sanders. Get serious.
2: speaking of speaking of bernie sanders mike yes we got our democratic debates coming up next week um Mm -hmm. as a little preview we're not gonna try to predict you know the next kamala harris joe biden moment but rather i thought we'd do something different (laughs) rather i thought we'd do something different and just talk about what we'd like to see these these people talk about next week right um at this point um, in, in the game, it's obvious the three front runners are Warren, Sanders, and Biden. Uh, Kamala Harris got a bump. It's now gone in the polls. Cory Booker's doing his Cory Booker thing. And, I mean, that's kind of the beginning of the end of the serious candidates. Am I wrong for saying that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Cory Booker's really... I mean, I guess you've got the fucking... Pete Buttigieg, shit. Oh, okay, Mayor, B- Mayor Pete. Oh, has a little Mayor bit of traction. Pete is such trash. Mayor Pete. I hate <laughs> the most. Of all the candidates. I hate. And honestly, like his record on policing in South Bend, Indiana is disgusting. Um, but I just, I think, um, yeah, I think you're about right as far as the serious candidates go. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really in the point now where it's like the just incredible overwhelming bias against Sanders is it's obviously it's annoying to me as a supporter, but it's also just like embarrassing as somebody in media. And I will say, I do think that like, you know, with Warren, I wonder how things start to look when not everything is like going her way. You know what I mean? And I want to kind of ask like, You're getting a lot of positive press benefit and so many stories are framed as like, oh, well, Bernie's an asshole. We can't really say why because because we're just irrational haters. But – and we all really know why, which is like they're freaked out because of their class and professional position. But, yep. but Elizabeth Warren, she's, you know, she's reasonable, but she's also progressive and she has a plan and we got to get rid of this fucking plan bullshit. That's another thing. But like my thing is at a certain point is like if 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 everybody wrote a positive article about Bernie Sanders always prefaced it with like, well, thank God we have somebody that doesn't have like some fucking like nerdy plan bullshit that has nothing to do with politics and we have like a real clear communicator with a bold plan everybody would say like Bernie when are you going to disavow all these mean things about you know Warren that all these positive pieces are saying and so I'm, I'm kind of feeling that way about Warren like when are you know like okay you're getting really gassed up from people whose primary thing is really just to destroy the progressive front runner so I wonder how that dynamic works. But I I think as far as the debate goes, honestly, like probably – I basically think that Bernie should pound Biden on the trade agreements and on being a a subservient to the credit card industry. What do you think?
2: Yeah, obviously he should – I don't think Bernie has shifted into full-on attack mode yet. Um, And again, it's still early. Right. Like there's going to be plenty of time to hammer Joe Biden on um, his coziness with the banks and the financial service industries and, um, you know, his bankruptcy record and all of that stuff. I think he's he's kind of warming up to that. Even Warren herself is kind of and that's her. And, and, you know, to, to Elizabeth Warren's credit, that's kind of been her bag since she got into politics, right? Like hammering the financial services um, industries. So, you know, I'd love to see a little bit of that. Um, look, I, sometimes I wish when we, and I mean we, I mean the Democratic Party, who by default is the only party that represents progressives, um, not to say that they're a progressive party, but they're the only party yeah, that yeah, yeah. represents um, progressives. I would like to see a debate where we only talked about our shit. Like, don't talk to me about tax hikes or tax or lowering taxes. Like, I don't want to hear that shit at a Democratic debate. Let the Republicans do that at their debate. And when, you know, when we have our two candidates, y'all can do that in the national debates. But, like, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about what you want to do with foreign policy, right? Um, I want to hear about how we're going to figure out how to stop these forever wars. Obviously, I want to hear about health care. Um, and obviously I want to hear about housing, you know, like I want to hear about progressive issues at the goddamn progressive debate. Am I crazy for that? No, exactly.
1: And that's another thing too, which is why isn't there any progressive
2: journalist moderating these Bingo. Right. And, and, you know, CNN, I honestly don't think CNN actually has, an agenda here besides trying to make good TV, right? Like, sure, you know, Jeff Zucker and his types, like, they don't actually care about progressivism, but I don't think their agenda is to, like, squash it out. I think they put these, quote-unquote, straight guys... Um, on the panel to ask questions to to for, to to make it seem like it's fair and it's balanced and it's this. I don't think they actually care about that. They just want to look a certain way. I don't think these networks like actually give a fuck about the substance, right? Um, and so that's why we get a lot of these <laughs> quite frankly like stupid questions. You know what right. I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I just like to see people talk about the progressive shit that we care about. And yes, yeah. I want people to start finally hammering Joe Biden because one, he's the favorite, and two, he's an asshole.
1: <laughs> I want to see. I mean, honestly, I do. I want. I definitely want to see. You've got to hammer Joe Biden. Uh, when the time is right, we've got to puncture. Because I think, like, the P Buttigieg... I mean, first of all, Buttigieg is awful, and he's also a long-term threat to progressive uh, politics. But I'm somebody like to me, you know, Warren and Sanders are definitely not the same thing. No. And and we got to start sharpening those distinctions and not letting people bash, you know, not only the best and most progressive candidate, but someone who really is just running a completely different kind of campaign. And I feel like that whole thing about plans and all of this shit, it's like it's it's look, it's cool to have good plans. But at the end of the day, like, you need to have clear, no bullshit, straight commitments, no question. But the real plan is, how do you actually get anything done? And that's about movement mobilization. That's why the fact that Bernie's campaign actually is a movement with a distinct media arm. It's not just that it's, that it's like, oh, that's nice. That's grassroots. That's like, literally the only prayer of a possibility of achieving any type of progressive agenda but so i'm just i'm kind of ready to start and what was funny was they asked elizabeth warren that a couple weeks ago like how are you going to get all this stuff done and then she's like well there's going to be a movement and i was like okay right so (laughs) again (laughs) so let's stop right you know and so i think there's a lot of energy of people who around that campaign who are you know smart and well-intentioned and there's some really good ideas but they they still don't want to deal with like no we actually need to have a change and that's you know the other part of the of the difficulty right because i agree with you i think on some level there's a lot of like they don't care specifically about anything and it's just a ratings thing But I think, yes, when Bernie – like Bernie was at the Washington Post a couple weeks ago at a candidate forum, right? And the candidate forum is sponsored by Bank of America and that is like hilarious, you know? And he walks out and he's like, this isn't really sponsored by Bank of America, is it? And, you know, he said it in his like kind of funny, charming sort of old man (laughs) way. But he was making an actual point, which is like, you know, a predator bank that has like (laughs) – multiple civil rights fines, helped drown people in the mortgage crisis. Oh, they're the, you know, they're the sponsor of the candidate forum. And the journalists, like, they didn't even have, like, they didn't even get, like, you know, oh, Bernie, what, like, they literally were just like, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course, so disconnected uh-huh. from these, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that that's, so he's up against everything man
2: yeah and you know and i gotta say part of me selfishly um likes the idea that elizabeth warren is running close to bernie because i love the idea of her as a fallback plan you understand what i'm saying but i know in reality it's not going to work that way right it's going to be bernie or warren against biden Right. Like that's how it's actually going to end up shaping out when the race becomes the actual race. Uh, so yeah, Bernie needs to start distinguishing himself for sure. And I'm sure he, he's, he's coming up with tactics and ways to do that. Um, him and his team, but yeah, I'm looking forward to actually, um, progressive issues and topics being tackled head on and, you know, at this point, everybody know Ber- knows Bernie Spiel. But what I love about that is that when he gets on an issue, right? And we've seen it because he got killed about his foreign policy stuff last last go round, where people was like, oh, Bernie doesn't have a foreign policy, right? And we've seen him pivot to, like, no, I do. Yeah, here's what it is. Actually, the best
1: foreign policy. And I actually did more to stop. <laughs> the war in Yemen, prevent war with Iran. I'm the only candidate to come out and say that Lula needs to be free because he's a political prisoner. Like, yeah, I'm actually kind of doing it. And incidentally, I was right about Iraq and right about trade. And that's another thing, too, that does just kind of annoy me on the Warren tip, which is like, I think that we need to start saying, like, I don't understand. Look, on one level, like, whatever. I don't really care about labels in some ways. But it's like, that's another thing to me. It's like, OK, yeah, a progressive candidate who votes for every single military budget increase and has no vision on foreign policy and has had actually really bad stances on Iran, on the Middle East and on Latin America. To me, it just starts to become like. You know, and I say this from the perspective that like what well, Bernie like Bernie's done bad things on foreign policy, too, but he's like. The bare minimum and nobody else is up there. And I don't know how we can keep talking about somebody being a progressive presidential candidate. When you're president, the first area that you actually have the most power over is foreign policy. And so, you know, this is somebody who voted for every single military budget increase, including all the Trump ones. And I'm not saying like it doesn't negate the good things on Wall Street as an example, but it's like, how can you just Like that's not a synchronized worldview. You know what I mean? Like that, there's with Bernie, with Bernie, there's like a connection that allows him to say, we're gonna cancel all student debt and we're gonna take the right stance in Brazil. You know what I mean? Like that is what I'm talking about. And and that, you know, and that's never gonna get to in the debate if you don't even at least have one actual progressive journalist. I mean that's just such an incredible, you know, oversight, like in the Republican debates, they always have some, you know, they have the so- supposedly mainstream anchors and then they usually have some super crazy person to round it out.
2: <laughs> yeah, we yeah. need that on <laughs> the left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. The pod, um it, it's a callback to the two dope boy days where Mike and Phil would proverbially dig in the crates and recommend something in the worlds of art, film, music, television, literature—you name it. Um, this 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 will be our first episode doing that. Mike, I know you listened to the lost tapes too. Finally. What do you want to tell the people about it?
1: It's really good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pleases me to say that it's really good. No, I mean, you know, it was just we talked about the Life is Good record last summer. I always say Adam and Eve was the the takeout track. That's that's up there in the Pantheon. I still listen to that. Besides that, that album was garbage. And it was, you know. I mean I shouldn't say garbage. It was it wasn't a good album. I don't know, it was garbage, but it was not a good album. And it was you know, it was in the context of like another underperformance by Nas and then it's produced by Kanye while he's doing his Trump summer. So it's just nice to sit back, listen and it, you know, like the song about Queensbridge politics, which is this sort of uh it's actually very touching, you know, like Yeah, like things were bad with my friends, with with Prodigy, like really bad and bad things were said and a book came out and, you know, you still but you kind of think maybe it'll work out sooner or later. And now the man is dead. (laughs) Right. So like this is what the song is about. Um, You know, and then as always the case with Nas and this was the same thing with the first Lost Tapes album, which was definitely like you can't. can't necessarily see it as like a cohesive album. So I guess that is one thing. But you do always have to say like, wow, like – and I say that, you know, I'm a Nas partisan, Nas defender. I think he's – as a rapper, I just don't – he's incredible, right? But you would be delusional to not acknowledge that he's had a lot of misfires. And so when you listen to the the Lost Tapes, it's like, wow, like, (laughs) okay. You know, it would be like as if every – You know, it's like anytime I did like a good, like, Nation of Islam Obama bit on my show, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's turn the cameras off, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't understand, you know, but it's great, man. It's very nice to have the summer experience of just like a really tight Nas album. Yes,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would like to say my recommendation, man is is crit is here by artist named big crit mississippi's own um i think crit broke out around 09 around the same time as the kendricks the coles the drakes um he had a really weird label situation where you know def champ didn't really know what to do with him right like he was a southern artist but he was also a content artist and that, like, his music told a story, had a lot of substance, was very personal. They didn't really know what to do with an artist like him. But throughout the years, you know, anybody who knew anything about rap um, would tell you that Big Krip was one of the best artists out. Um, he's, finally, he's finally gone independent. He's doing his own thing. Um, usually he produces all of his own music. This album he decided not to he decided to work with outside producers and I think the result is something you know a little bit more expansive than we're used to hearing from big crit. And so man, I got a chance to listen to this album and it jams straight through the beats are hard. Um and obviously as can be expected with any crit project, man, the content is there, the the, the rhyme skills, the precision that this dude is on is incredible um i think it makes for an incredible summer album all his beats his his production he he just has a feel for picking something with warmth and depth and some soul to it um i just think that god makes timeless music um it's it's actually if you ever listen to any big crit interview he said that's always his goal right he wants to make something that's gonna stand the test of time i think this album is another example of that i'm I'm excited to see what he does going forward. Now that he's independent, he's in charge of, you know, sort of making his own breaks now. So I would tell encourage everybody to listen to Crit is here. I think it's one of the best rap releases I've heard this year. Um, if not, you know, if not for a long time. So shouts to big crit. Uh go listen to that. Uh, what else do we do we got any more house cleaning to do, Mike?
1: No, I mean, besides that, just, you know, check out all the shows. Check out Patreon.com slash TMBS, Michael Brooks' show on YouTube. Now we are just about at our first 59,000 subs, so get on it. Buy your tickets, August 24th, Chicago live show. The pickup that I always promise is starting, uh, Michael Brooks' live show, August 24th, Chicago at Lincoln Hall. Really excited about that. Come see us.
2: Of course, Count the Dings live in San Francisco at the independent that's october 12th all our bay area people please come out um tickets have been moving we got a few left so don't lollygag because i don't want to get the tweets the text this. So, oh i need a ticket i needed that you need to get on it right now those things <laughs> are moving like hotcakes um Shouts to Rob Lopez, as always, man, being an incredible producer. You know, it can be hard to wrangle me and Mike sometimes, but he gets it True. done somehow every True. single time, man. So shouts to Rob Lopez. Shouts to the whole County things Of course, the NBS community. And we will see you guys next week.